Welcome to West Church. We're so thankful you've joined us today. Whether you're joining us in person or virtually, we're excited to come together to praise, worship, and receive God's glory. If this is your first time with us, we'd like to give you a very special welcome. If you're returning, thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you. Now, let's prepare to be inspired and encouraged as we enter into worship. But I'm very pleased to be here. You know, really, this passage, um, well, you'll see as we move through it, it really has meant a lot to me as I'm preparing for it. I'm so glad that I actually said yes, even though these last three weeks I've been wondering, what am I doing? Um, I have a full-time job, and I'm also, so I, I say I had three jobs. I'm a programmer, a parent, and also, this week, a preacher, which is all three Ps, which is really good for preaching as well, right? When you, all right, so let's, um, let's begin, and just the way I like to begin is like, like what I like to do with a lot of things. I like to go to my kids to kind of get an idea from them. Um, what do you think pre, uh, freedom is all about? And you get all kinds of really interesting responses. So, um, being able to make my own decisions. It's a good one, right? I like that one. Not living in fear. It's another good one, right? Not being confined. That's being really literal, right? I don't want to be confined. Of course, that, you know, COVID, if you think about that, things do feel a lot more freer now, right? And, and this is my personal favorite. A shout out to Ben. Freedom from the devil. You know, that's a good one, right? He went straight to the, you know, that's the Sunday school answer. Freedom from the devil. I liked it. That's great. So, um, so it is kind of important to get a feel for it. And I also went to my place of work. And I work with um, the scientists. So, you know, they're pretty liberal. They kind of follow the place. And this is one of the responses I got from them. Freedom is the ability to, to choose and pursue goals of autonomy and without hierarchy so long, as, so long as that choice does not impinge on others' freedom to do the same. That's kind of textbook, right? I mean, basically do what I want to do and as long as I'm not hurting anybody else. That's what it comes down to. That's kind of like what you think on the playground, right? You know, as long as I'm, I'm cool, you're cool, we're all cool. And that's and funny, there's a lot of people that, that came from one particular response from someone in Canada, and then everybody kind of said, yeah, I agree with that one. Ditto on that one. All right, that's good, you know. There's one other guy that said, I like to also include, we should have the ability to kind of get a little discussion going on. If you don't, if I don't like what you want to do, then maybe we should discuss it. So, but I mean, it basically comes down to, you know, doing what we want to do. So that's pretty typical. And you will find that there are a lot of people that have that same strong desire for freedom right now all around us. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy named Mike. And this has been a number of years, um, a long time ago, actually. Uh, this is back when I had two roommates, and we were living down in Georgia, and we were really gung-ho. We were really fired up, and we went down to inner city uh, Atlanta to talk to a, a preacher about being more salt and light in the community. Okay, and so while we were down there hearing about what it means to be salt and light in the community, um, 
And he was preaching, you know, he was really getting at it, you know, Matthew, and you, know, you need to be, he was actually trying to get us to move into the inner city in Atlanta, you know, a bunch of yuppies going down the inner city, that would have worked well, but uh, from the back, you heard someone say, what about me? Since the guy walked in the church, and we were really just us, it wasn't a, and it was like a little small group, and this guy walked in the back, what about me? What about me? He kept on yelling, what about me? And so, Turned around, and we met this guy named Mike. And Mike was a guy living on the streets. Uh, that particular night, he had a little too much to drink, so he was very vocal about things. But he was right. I mean, this was January in Atlanta. It gets a bit cold down there, not like it does up here. Don't, no, no, but it does get a little nippy on the streets, and this guy was living on the streets. And so my roommates and I, we looked at each other, and we said, well, yeah, what about this guy, right? So we actually brought him home. He came and lived with us. Ended up living on our couch we threw a big um, uh, Christmas uh, Grinch party. He ended up there eating like, we had two turkeys. He was like going crazy. He was loving it. We actually ended up getting him a job. And he stayed with us for about three months. And when it got warmer, he actually just left. And so his idea with freedom was a little different, right? I mean, his idea of freedom was the kind of freedom that they're talking about. As long as I'm not hurting anybody. You know, I'm free to but just go about what I want to do. What he wanted to do is really just essentially back to what he was used to, which is his friends and, and the occasional whatever thing he was doing. And really never saw him again. But freedom is really something that we all cherish deeply, deeply. Um, philosophy is a big part where you see a lot of freedom. Immanuel Kant was a, a philosopher back in the, the uh, what was it, 19th century. And... Um, an arm of philosophy, metaphysics, talks about this. It, metaphysics has as its proper object of its inquiries three ideas, God, freedom, and immortality. I thought that was really interesting. I mean, even philosophers, which I would not consider very conservative, generally, right? Um, but they have a sense of those three things, God, freedom, immortality. They want to that's the base question that a lot of people are asking. And it goes beyond, beyond I mean, it's our, in our society all over the place, you know? And I thought, freedom, yes. There's something about freedom. When you hear that word even, there's something about that. It goes even beyond politics, you know? Freedom, what is that, right? Um, I looked at different scriptures. So I knew that I wanted to preach on freedom. There was something about that that was really, really calling me out, freedom, freedom, right? And so I've looked at a bunch of different scriptures. So here's one. This is 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Good one. I like that one. Okay, so that was a good one. I said, yeah, I liked it. All right, how about Galatians 5.1? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I like that one, don't you? Freedom set us free. Stand firm then and, not, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the a yoke of slavery. So that's another great one. Again, Paul. Can you imagine? How about this next one? Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. I like that, called to be free. You know, it's funny, I'm actually doing pretty well. Another thing I, I didn't mention was also... Right? I didn't need these either back in those days. Oh, this actually makes it a little bit better. I'll, I'll stay with this. 
So here are the kind of questions that we're going to try to answer today when we look at freedom. And we're going to talk about Paul, but we're not going to delve into Galatians. We're going to actually delve into Romans because he really struggles with, does an excellent job talking about freedom there. But here are the questions. What brand of freedom do we need? Okay, because there's a lot of people who want all kinds of freedom, but what brand of freedom? How do we attain, obtain the freedom we need or that brand of freedom we need? What benefits come with this brand of freedom? Okay, so we want to know what kind, how do we get it, and then what are the benefits? All right, so we're going to actually answer those questions. So those questions are going to stay out there. When we start looking at the actual scripture and start talking about it, see if you can answer the questions in your mind. At the end, I'll kind of do a reveal. All right. So one commentary actually surmised that Paul, who wrote Romans, we all know that, who wrote Romans, Paul spent probably about five years of his 39 years of ministry confined. Okay, so it gives you an idea that he actually knew what it meant to be not free, right? In at least a physical sense, all right? In fact, if you think about it, one time he was actually free. It's a great story in Acts. I think it's chapter 16. He, was, he and Silas were out kind of doing their thing. They were moving amongst the people, going probably to, I think they were going to worship, and a demonic, a, 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 someone who was, who was possessed, was walking behind shouting, here they come, the men of God, you know, how, you know, all this kind of stuff. She was raising a ruckus. And the funny thing is he lost patience. He didn't do it out of kind. It says he lost patience with her. So he basically healed her on the spot, right? Come out of there, you know? And then they took him, beat him, and threw him in prison, right? So while he's in prison, uh, her, you know, a, a big, um, uh, they're in there praying and, and worshiping and going, you know, and, and all, all the people are listening. The other prisoners are listening as well. And all of a sudden there's earthquakes and the doors broke open and the guard who was given like the threat of death, you must keep them in prison. He was sleeping for some reason, of course, we, you know, but he, he came out with the doors open. Well, what's going on? I want to, you know, he's about to fall on his sword. I wanna, and then Paul goes, don't do it. You know, we're all here, which is kind of amazing. And they, the interesting thing is that Paul was free, but he was captive, right? But the jailer was not free, and he was the one that's outside, right? So it's an interesting way to think about that. Freedom, the kind of what we're going to be talking about, obviously, is, you know, freedom from the devil. So let's keep going from that. All right, so back to Romans. Um, Paul is a Pre, he's an apostle. He says he is, very first. And he also says that he is there for the sake of the gospel, the good news. So he is all about telling the good news, Jesus, the good news, right? So that's what we're going to do, too. We're going to talk about that, and it comes right out of there of chapter 6. So this lead up to chapter 6 a bit because it's, you know, especially in Paul, it's very thick. In fact, when I first got into this, I was thinking, what did I get myself into? Paul, Romans, what was I thinking, right? But it's really, really excellent stuff. So we've got chapter 6, but you have to go way back into chapter 5 to first look at chapter 6. So 5, he talks about justification by the blood and also justification by faith. Okay? So he's really making a strong case. You are saved by faith. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. And, I mean, if you think about it, this is what Luther when he was doing his protests, you know, he was basically saying this, that 
Look at this. It's about faith. It's not about works. It's about what you believe, right? It's about who you believe. It's about Jesus, his blood, justification by his blood, okay? So the very end of that, he says, where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So where sin increased, grace abound all the more, you know? And I kind of think of that as like blowing up a balloon, right? The more air you push into that balloon, the balloon just seems to be able to expand and handle all that air, right? So the sin, the balloon, the grace expands, right? Well, there was a bit of a problem at the time because some of the people thought, hmm, um, that means that we could just keep on sinning, right? We could just, it doesn't make any difference. We could just keep sinning. Well, um, this is where Paul gets in and talks a little bit more about it. So here's the different sections within six itself, all right? First, in Romans 6, 2 through 11, all right, this is what it says. What, this section is about what God has done, okay? And let me give you just one verse out of that. Um, if you can move on to the next one. There you go, perfect. So the verse that comes out, just, just a little sampling verse in that section. This is what God, this section is about what God has done. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So this is actually talking about Jesus dying and we're set free from sin. So that's what God's done, right? That section's about that. In fact, that section is called the indicative, which means it's what God has done in our relationship for us, uh, with us for us, right? The second part of that, which is Romans, and this is the part we read, Romans 6, 12 through 20, what you should do in response to that indicative. So God's done this, and this is what we're called to do. So here it says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, verse 13. All right, so um, this actually, there's, a, there's a, something in this. It's called antinomianism. And I only will say that one time. I'll say it again. Antinomianism. That's actually pretty good, actually. That means essentially, and it's defined as being essentially um, free from, um, by virtue of divine grace, you're free not only from biblical law and church-prescribed behavioral norms, but also moral law. So in other words, basically you're free to do whatever you want. All right? And a... a um, Evangelist, or at a time, a preacher in, in British, in Britain, Martin Lloyd-Jones, basically said this, if your presentation of the gospel does not expose it to the charge of antinomianism, which means people saying, well, it means we can do anything, right? You're probably not putting it correctly. So he's basically saying, if you don't emphasize the fact that it's by grace, it's not by what you do, it's by grace, then perhaps you're not really preaching it right. It's kind of interesting, all right? Um, so that is exactly what Paul is going to have to defend on in this particular section, chapter 6. He's going to have to actually tackle the folks that say, essentially, why can't we do anything we want? Because that means grace will abound. It will go even more, okay? So... So let's look at this section, what God has done, Romans 6, 2 through 11. All right, so this is really interesting. Have you guys ever heard of a word cloud? 
This little image up here is a word cloud. Essentially, what a word cloud is, it takes the frequency of words in a whatever, in this case, a passage, and the bigger the word, that means the more frequent it occurs. So in this particular one, you see Christ died, sin, death. I mean, he's really looking at, in fact, this particular section or this chapter, death appears more than any other chapter in the New Testament. Wow. Yeah. Um, I actually looked that up, the Greek word. Um, uh, I think it's called thanatos, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the reason why I know that is because someone at work actually named a computer after that. And it's the, where things go to die. All right? So, again, it's interesting. Death, died, and here we are with Christ, right? So this, you have to think about, it. you know, one of the things you look at when you're studying Scripture is how frequent the word, also the word placement, how they're connected. Let's look at, in this case, frequency. It's really amazing. So let's look at the first section here is, is um, 6, 2 through 4. So I'm going to put my grass on because I'm going to be reading a little bit. Now, it's interesting. After I began to prepare for this, I went, ooh. You know, I didn't want, to, I didn't want everybody to be responsible for reading on the whole entire chapter. I felt that was greedy. So after I prepared and I looked at, okay, well, I'll get them to read this part, which is the, you know, what should we do? I went, wow, actually, I should have gotten instead to do the response on the first one because this is the most, even the more powerful. What did God do, right? But let me go ahead and read this for you, all right? It says this. Chapter 6, 2 through 4. Again, shall we sin even more? By no means. We are, those, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know, and I emphasize the word know because it shows up in each one of these sections we're going to look at, know. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised and dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we certainly also united with him in a resurrection like his. All right, so again, God has done something. This is the uh, section again where you know God's done all these things it's not he's not asking Paul's not asking us to do anything in this case he's telling us what God has done so what do we know from this he says don't you know and what do we know is this our relationship with Christ has brought about a death to sin that means us Christ died we're in his death we're united with him that means sin has died in us. That's powerful. We don't, death is gone in us. And that's amazing if you think about it. And, and, and that kind of, well, well, we'll talk about that more in a second. All right? So you have to really look carefully on this too as well. Um, one of the symbols that is really prominent is baptized. We're baptized in death. And, and you probably know this. I know you know this. When people get baptized, you know, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and they bring you down, and they bring you back up, right? Down, that's representing dying with Christ. Back up, that's representing new life, right? So we're baptized in his 
death, baptized with him. Okay? Very, very powerful. That is, we're free from death. Okay? Um, I like what the way King James Version actually says it. Um, <laughs> it, it. At the very bottom it says, um, okay, King James, ready? Verse 4. Um, Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. It's a little different. I like the idea of walking, okay? Not only being in new life, but walking in new life. It's kind of active, isn't it? We're now walking in new life. All right, let's look at the the second one, uh, the second no. um, And that would be Romans 6, 6 through 8. Um, we know, once again, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Again, living with him, and we're being set free from sin. All right? Um, and that kind of answers the one question. What kind of freedom do we really need? You know, I often when I pray... I've learned to pray a, a very different way than I used to pray. You know, I used to pick out, often I would pick, you know, this is, God, this is where I need for you to go. This is what I want, Lord. This is what I want. I've learned never to do that again. Um, you know, there are times where you know that, you know what God wants and you pray for it, right? But there are so many prayers in my past, I think, Lord, I'm so glad you didn't answer that prayer. Right? I mean, you've got to have prayers like that, right? I've had plenty of those kind of prayers, you know? Um, this, so I pray, Lord, give me what I need, not what I want. And this is the type of freedom that we need. You know, um, we don't, what we really need, just like Paul, when he was in prison with Silas, he needed the freedom from sin, not necessarily physical freedom. In fact, I'll, if you think about it, he needed to be exactly where he was. Because if it wasn't for that, that jail would probably, it would never have believed, right? So what we need is we need this freedom from sin, okay? So with this, it also says we are set free from sin. It says that we know that. We're no longer, he's telling us, you're no longer enslaved to sin. You're set free from sin. He's letting us say, this you know. Christ died, you're set free from sin. Um, my wife has been reading a book I've sneaked some chapters here and there because it really is a good book. Um, it's uh, Yonimi Park. Um, she's from North Korea. She actually escaped when she was 13. Our older sister went with her. She was 16. They escaped to China. It was really bad conditions. She goes over and tells you a lot about what North Korea is about. It's amazing. it blow your mind. She says, there's no... There's nothing in, in our world, which is the United States, that compares. I can't even explain how bad it was, she says. Um, in fact, she says this. Someone asked her at a conference, I think it was in Canada, 
Um, why didn't you rebel? Why don't you guys just rebel, you know? Get, fight. Well, this is what she said. If you don't know you're a slave, you don't know you're isolated and oppressed. How do you fight to be free? She basically say, we didn't, even know, we didn't know we were oppressed even. We didn't know we were slaves. And that's why that, what she's saying, that's why they don't fight, they don't rebel. So with that, people must be told the truth to seek freedom. In their case, they need to be told that they're free or that they're slaves. And I, and I kind of compare it to this. This is what I came up with, kind of based on what we just read about being set free. We're set free. If you don't know you're free, if you don't know your oppressor is beaten and you're no longer enslaved, how would you know to live freely? So, I mean, this is what Paul is telling us. He's actually saying to you, you are free. You know, walk in newness of life. I'm telling you, you're free. You know, you're free. Walk in newness of life. You know, it kind of reminds me of, um, you probably have heard this before, I'm sure. Um, um, Training an elephant. I mean, elephants are pretty big. They're pretty aggressive. I mean, we're right now in the process of training a little dog. And we're, you know, we're being manhandled sometimes, right? But but can you imagine an elephant? How do you train an elephant? Um, Well, here's how they do it. They actually take a baby elephant. You have to start from it being a baby. And they hook a chain, a normal chain, around the, the leg of the elephant. And then as the elephant... And, you know, the elephant, of course, struggles and so forth and realizes he can't do anything to train. As the elephant grows, they leave essentially the same train on the elephant. It, it grows over time, understanding that it can't escape. You know? Is that kind of like us as we live our lives, as we're oppressed, you know, from, from, the, day, you know, from the day of birth that we, Satan is, are we free? You know, I think you have to break that chain and, and, you know, the elephant has to learn. Oh, I'm, you know, show it. You're free, elephant, go. You can, you know. You know, we, we, um, we have to be told, and Paul's doing that very, very clearly there in, in, those, in those verses. All right, let's look at the last no. And this is, again, Romans 6, and this is 9 through 11. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Each one of these is nuggets. I mean, you got to say each one of these are pieces of gold, right? In this particular one, what do we know? Well, we know that Christ's work is complete. It's forever. It's permanent. Amen. Right? Um, Never die again. No longer. Death no longer has dominion over him. And we ourselves must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in, uh, in God in Christ Jesus. Um, this is the permanency of it. Um, 
and, and Christ down on the cross being raised again, we believing we are no longer dominion over our, our sin, is no longer dominion over us, and quite honestly, death neither. I mean, back to immortality. We are going to be, we're going to reign with Christ, you know? So, wow, hallelujah. I mean, that's, um, yeah, th- uh, this harkens back to Christ on the cross. And this is John 19, uh, 30. It is finished. And I like that at the very end of that, it says, consider um, uh, or account or reckon. You know, it, it makes us want to stop and say, you know, think about that for a second. Yeah, once and for all, that's what it was. He paid the price once and for all. We are, it's forever. It's done, it's permanent. We're free. Wow. Um, you know, here's where the, the story is. Everybody's got to have a story, or at least some type of really magnificent illustration in their sermon. I got a great one. I thought about this a little bit. Um, Again, this is before, this is back in the day. This is actually before I, I did my last stand of preaching. So this, this goes back long ago. I was living and um, going to school in Kentucky. And my older brother, for some reason, we get in these major challenges. We like to challenge each other. So we decided we were going to go, you know, take the day and go hiking. One time that amounted to 36 miles. Yeah, 36 miles through the mountains of North Carolina up to the highest peak, which is Mount Mitchell, and back. So it's 18 and 18. It, it was literally like this at the end. It was, it was amazing. But we went to a place called uh, Red River Go- Gorge. Um, it's magnificent. The top is the entrance into Ma- uh, Red River Gorge. It's like a little tunnel you drive through. It's almost like, you know, they once you had, you know, leave, leave your, <laughs> you're now entering, uh, whatever. You know, it's really, it's amazing. And once you get through there, there's these, these, um, amazing arches and caverns and I mean, this is eastern Kentucky it's just it blows your mind so we got there it was a rainy 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 day uh it, it didn't deter us we were just going to go through it right we had our map and we were just going to get at it so we decided just just start plowing through the different trails and stuff and um the day stayed just like that it was it was rainy all day long and we were you know, we're we going. There's, by the way, there's just to give you an idea. There's 70, 70 miles of trails there. All right, just to give you a feel for what it's like. And we were hacking through, and we were going to another trail. We come on trail, and we just start walking. And eventually, towards the, you know, getting around two or three, we realize, you know, by now we're lost. I mean, really, we're lost, but not lost. We're on trails. But we don't know which trail we're actually on. And in fact, if you look at the map, the map is the actual map. I saved it. Because it, now it's dry, but at that point it was in pieces and it was torn and it was dripping. And it was, it was we were thinking, you know, we're going to be in trouble here. In fact, my brother started hacking his way to the nearest creek. So he could, he says, I said, what are you doing? He said, well, if I get to this creek, it will take us maybe to another one. And it will, we can just keep working. You know, that's the whole thing. If you're lost, go to a water and go down with it, you know. I said, well, wait a second. Now, wait, wait. This, we can figure it out. We were sitting there. We're pretty struggling pretty bad. Um, it wasn't until later that something happened that was just amazing. All right. The sun 
broke through the clouds. Just broke through the clouds. And we went, ah, oh, that's it. That's west. Now we can figure out which way we are and we can figure out which trail we're on. Oh, that saved us. Because that night, it actually ended up snowing there. We were just so thankful. Oh, thank you, Lord. We didn't have to stay in the snow. But the, the sun broke through. Um, and that's significant because I believe in this particular chapter, chapter 6, Paul's basically trying to get the sun to break through. It's trying to give us a way that we can orient ourselves. You know, here's our lives, and now we can kind of figure, what's that sun? You are free. You are free. It's not something you have to do. You don't have to do this and that, and then maybe if you do that, if you do that right, if you think that right thought, or if you, you know, move in that right direction, or if you stop sinning, then you'll be free. No, you're free already. You don't have to do that. You're free already. And what does that mean? It means that you are free from the power of sin, from its dominion. You have a new life because you have faith in the one that gives life. Right? Sin is dead. It has no power anymore. And that's what we have to know and we have to remember. The sun breaks through. We know we can orient our lives properly, right? So, you know, I'm almost kind of hesitant. But the part that we read responsibly, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, it's what we're supposed to do. But now it's almost like a cakewalk because we're free, right? So let's look at that. So this is um, chapter 6, 12 through 19. 12, let not sin therefore reign. Okay, yeah, indeed. You know, that's great. You can actually say, I'm free. You know, temptation, I'm free. You know, Satan saying, I'm free. I'm free. That's not, it's not me. I'm free, you know? You, <laughs> I mean, it gives us power to respond to when we have temptation, you know? You know, it's like my favorite part of the Lord's Prayer. Um, um, uh, you know, it's funny. I have to go through the beginning to get to the right part. Don't you all do that? I like the part where it says, lead, lead me not in temptation. Deliver me for evil. I love that. Because you're calling on God to, to, you know, you're calling on his power. You know, lead me not in temptation. Deliver me from evil. You know? Um, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. I thought this was really interesting. Members meaning our arms, our legs, our power, our words, our actions. You know, he's really compensating the whole body, our members, right? As, as instruments. And that word instruments is really interesting. That's a military term. So don't, do not present your members um, to sin as instruments. Don't allow sin to use you, <laughs> right? You know, and I like the word present as well. Present's really cool here because if you look back, you go back to when Mary and Joseph presented Jesus in the temple, that's the same word, you know. It's a ceremony almost, right? Do not present, don't, don't present yourself. I mean, don't take a ceremony to, to Satan to, yeah. 
Um, and, and the next one is 19. Now present, now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. All right. You know, this is really interesting part. In this last part, um, there's a real interesting element here. We are no longer to be slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness or to God. You know, so it's real ironic, right? Um, it's a, um, a paradox, right? How are we to be free and yet also be a slave, right? You know, we know it's not truly something that is in paradox because it's God's word, right? But it's interesting. We're to be free, we're also to be a slave to God, you know? And that's important to remember. We're not free agents, you know? It's really interesting. The guy said, you know, I really want to do what I want to do. As long as I'm not hurting anybody, I want to do it. We're, we, we're not that away. You know, we've been saved. We are now under God's, he's our master. You know, he's, we are slaves to God, you know, that, does that set wrong with you? you know, for a second, it goes, wait a second now. You know, does our souls kind of rebel a little bit about that? I, no, I think not. Because we are, this is God who has freed us. He has, he has given us new life. You know, he's freed us from sin. Yes, yes. Please, Lord, be my master. Be my, you know, I want to be slaves to you. I like this next one, part of our benefits. Um, so the last portion is really a little bit different. It's the benefits and rewards that come with being free from sin. All right? Um, it says it right there, uh, verse 22, um, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. You know, th this is interesting. Um, God... Slaves might be a little bit strong, though I do remember that word in Greek. Uh, there's not many words I remember, but this one I do remember, doulos. It's just an easy one because do lots, you know, as if you're doing a whole bunch of stuff, right? But, um, <laughs> yes, yes, being slaves. And um, it, also in this section, it's a real interesting balance or dichotomy between two different things. All right, so if you look at it really carefully, it talks about being slaves of sin, and it talks about what happened when you were slaves of sin. You had no regard for righteousness, or you were free from regard to righteousness. There was shame. We're talking about when you were in sin, right? And then um, those things lead to death. Paul's talking about that particular part of it. And then he also goes over and talks about the other part, and that's when you're now um, set free from sin. So now you're slaves of God, and you have your, it leads to sanctification, which is being more like Christ, and also it leads to eternal life, okay? And that's really, really what it's all about. If you look really carefully in this bit of Scripture, um, Paul makes sure that he emphasizes at the, at the end of both 5 and 6 about eternal life. He wants to put that, you know, again, position where it makes it really, really important as well. In position, eternal life is prominent in both the end of those two chapters. Why? Because that's really our reward. And that's what we are, our eyes are on, eternal life. Okay? So, what brand of freedom? Well, freedom from sin, enslaved to God. 
okay? Of course, that leads to internal life. What do we attain? Uh, how do we obtain the freedom we need? Well, it's Christ's sacrifice, his death, our belief. That leads to freedom from sin. So that's all it is. It's not anything we have to do. You know, we just have to believe. When we believe, we're free because Christ has paid the price. All right? And that, again, the big part is we have to know we're free. We have to live life knowing we are free. All right, so what are the benefits? What, what benefits come from this kind of freedom? Well, sanctification, be more like Christ, Christ-like, continuously moving more and more like Christ. What's the outcome? Eternal life. Lasting freedom. Can't be taken away. Now, that's really interesting right there. I thought about that. You know, there's a lot of freedoms that can be taken away. You know that, right? You've seen a lot of that happening lately, right? They can be taken away. This is one freedom cannot be taken away. All right? And that's important to remember, you know. Um, so, you know, I'd like to have really perhaps um, named this a little different. It's funny. I had to turn in something this time. I had to turn in something out this time. But I'd like to have probably named this, you are not your own. You know, you're not your own. You know, as, as Christians, as free from sin, as slaves to God, we are not our own anymore. And that's an important part of, of freedom. You know, it reminds me of a really quick story because I don't want to go. When I, back in the day, when I first came out of college, I worked for the number three computer company, which is called Unisys. Maybe you've heard of them. They're not as number three anymore as they used to be, right? But uh, at the time, they were very, very big, and I worked for, um, I worked for the um, Federal Reserve. I was doing programming these Federal Reserve, right? So, um, you know, I really didn't have great direction back there, but I did see something I think was pivotal, and again, I know God was involved in it. There is a man by the name of Clyde. I still remember his name, and it's been a long time. And Clyde was... <laughs> So he was all about retirement. He would come in every week, and he would, he would glide, Clyde would glide. He would go from one place to another, right? And he would say, I'm going to retire. You know, I'm going to retire in five months. I'm going to retire in three months. He would kept on. So eventually, when it got to about like the two-month mark, believe it or not, Clyde did not show up on Monday. He had died that weekend. Yeah. Think about that. You know, that changed my whole direction. I mean, I just, I did the, boop, boop. I, mean, I just shifted totally, completely. I went the other direction. I, I, I went, I, I call it downward mobility. So I went from, you know, this senior level, and I went to teaching at a small college. I knew there had to be something more, you know. I mean, I had to, I had to realize that I wasn't my own. You know, my direction was no longer what I thought I needed. I needed to know what God wanted me to do, right? Um, and, and sometimes it's difficult to know exactly what God wants you to do. But as we're united, as we're moving in 
we know, you know. Here's a, one verse. I want to kind of leave with this verse because I think this is really pertinent. Ready? This is Psalm 84.10. You know this verse. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means I'd rather be a doorman in God's house any day. Any day. I'd rather be a slave to God any day. I mean, that is freedom. All right, pray with me if you would. Father, we, we thank you, Lord. You have freed us, God. We are free. We are walking today new life. Our old selves are gone. Father, I pray that we more than ever embrace that freedom, Lord. Help us, Lord, to push aside ourselves and help us to embrace um, eternal life this newness of life, Lord. Help us to walk in you, united, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much. You have blessed us so richly beyond anything we could ever, ever, ever hope for and deserve, Father. And we just pray that you would help us to help, help us to free others, God. Help us to free others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.